This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. It is time for our expert series. It is Monday, and of course, we start off strong. We got Greg Dickerson on the road again. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, Michael. How are you? Mondays with Michael. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I may actually use that as a title for one of these videos. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I want to re- rewind to something you said at the tail end of our interview last week. It was mm-hmm. so good. I wanted to dive in, but we were both short of time. So I left it for this week. And you basically said, now is the time to stack cash. So let me kind of reset where I think we were, and then we'll kind of dive into that more. We were basically talking about, you know, the stock market being a bubble, Bitcoin being a bubble, just all of these things being just, just incented higher by the Fed's behavior. And now Janet- Housing, it, housing market, commercial assets, that. yeah. All of that stuff. So I wanted to dig into that, what that meant for you. What, what, is, what does Greg Dickerson do or what does he suggest when you say it's time to stack cash? So, you know, stacking cash obviously is warehousing cash, keeping it, you know, on the side, but readily available. So I've always been opportunistic. And the one thing that is really interesting about my career is whenever I deploy cash, then I find something and I need it, you know, so it's kind of like, dang it, you know, (laughs) I wish I hadn't bought that because now this popped up. So stacking cash means compounding cash. It's the velocity of cash flow. Um, I've always been, you know, a landlord of cash, a landlord of money you know, versus holding properties long-term and, and being a landlord in that regard. Even if you refi, pull your cash out. I mean, I've done all that and I've had properties over the years and things like that. But at the end of the day, cash is king, okay? And, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, cash, the dollar is going to be devalued and it's going to be trashed and worthless. Whatever you buy, you're buying with dollars. You know, whatever it is, whether you're buying gold, Bitcoin, this, that, and the other, it's all valued and based off the dollar. You need a dollar to buy it you know, and at the end of the day, if you're going to get rid of it, you're exchanging it for cash. Now people are trading Bitcoin for services and, you know, cars now with Tesla and things like that, you know, and, and as digital currencies become more and more prevalent, you know, those types of things are going to, are going to transpire and take place. But at the end of the day, the U S dollar is going to be digitized. You know, the federal government's not going to allow any other currency to take hold and to reign supreme. So stacking cash means keeping your cash readily available. It can earn a little money, um, while it's being, you know, wait, waiting to deploy it mm-hmm. and to utilize it. But basically what you want to think of is compound your cash. How can you, how can you compound that cash, use the velocity of cash flow, get in and get out and keep stacking, keep stacking, keep stacking. All right. So, so again, I want to just peel this back a little bit farther to make sure I understand it. So for example, compounding cash, when I hear compounding cash and stacking cash, I translate those as different things, but I think I got it now. So you're basically saying you're warehousing cash, but you will deploy it into something that you see a return in a short time frame, right? So a six month project, a nine month project, we will get your cash back and it will bring some friends, right? That is- Or even a one month, something that can compound it quickly. So you stack and you warehouse in order to deploy to then compound. So, you know, it's that ROI over time. So if you, if you take, you know, 
a pile and you put it into something and you pull it out quickly, you've got a small return. But if you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, got it. then maybe a, you know, a 10% return over 30 days becomes a thousand percent return over a year. If you do it multiple times, right. like flipping houses. So if you're using cash to buy, sell, we're in a hot retail environment right now. So you can speculate. All right. So I want everybody to be careful what I'm saying. Mm. I've always been one to lead the market up and lead the market down. Okay. So I'm not saying buy now thinking and having a business plan, buying at the top of the market, overpaying because it's such a speculative market. You can resell for more tomorrow. Mm. I'm not telling you to do that, but I'm telling you that's going on. And this is the kind of market you can do that in. So that's how you can lead a market up. So if the market is so hot, if you've got in the right areas with the right product in terms of houses, let's just talk about housing. You know, you can buy a house at the peak of the market right now, pay, you know, outbid everybody, be multiple bids and probably turn around and flip that house tomorrow for a small margin. So if you could do that 10 times, 12 times during the course of the year, you're compounding your cash on cash that was stacked off to the side. Got it. So this is the kind of market that you can get away with that. You got to be careful and you got to watch, you know, there's going to be pockets everywhere. Um, but you can kind of, you can be a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more speculative right now in real estate, in other you know types of assets, if you're understanding or following the markets and know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it switches, you got to go the other way around. So as prices are falling, you got to buy at deeper discounts so that you can in turn sell, mm -hmm. you know, at a little bit higher as the market's going down. So you lead it down, you lead it up, you don't chase it. Got it. All right. So when I hear stacking cash, it's not, it's not the, I guess how I translated it last week and I didn't think it was right was, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take X dollars. It's 10, it's 50, it's a hundred, it's a million, whatever it is. I'm going to put it over here and just not use it. That's not stacking cash in your mind. That is no. use it, deploy it quickly. And I guess the, let's define quickly, T totally get a month, totally get 90, 90 days. What is too long? Is it a year too long? Is it three years too long to get that money back? When you in this environment, what is that? What is the what's kind of the end point for a time frame you think? Yeah, it depends on what you're talking about, what asset, what class, what area, what market, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you know, housing, I don't want to be in anything residential longer than three or four months right now. Okay. Uh, because I'm not a long term hold. Okay. Yeah. If I'm flipping, I want I want something that's going to be in and out in less than 90 days because the real estate housing market can change that fast. Oh, yeah. We see um yeah. it can change in 30 days, but you know. You're, you're, I'm comfortable with 90, but it can okay. change quickly. Um, if you're talking about a commercial asset, I can go a little bit longer term. You know, if it's commercial multifamily, I can go a year or two. If it's a development project, I can okay. go a year or two. But more specifically, I'd like to be less than a year uh, because okay. those types of those types of assets can change in a year or so. If you're talking about markets and Bitcoin and stuff like that, I mean, that's daily. You know, yeah. you, you got to watch that stuff every day. Yeah, we're going to leave that stuff to the side because I'm a real estate guy, not all that other stuff. Yeah. So I just want to go back. I'm going to use the same concept, stacking cash in a totally different market. So like 2010, which again was the time it was the best for me to buy, prices were depressed. If Under the guise of stacking cash, you're not a long-term holder. Would you, would you be willing to deploy cash at deeply discounted price and then extend the time? I'm, I'm most thinking housing, right? Housing was 50 or 60% off in some markets. Would you deploy a lot of cash thinking that the return is two or three out years out? Or would you always want to be three to six months with residential stuff? Yeah, you know, so it, it, right now with the way prices are, it depends on what you're buying at, you know, and, and what you got to look at is where were the values before the spike? Got so it. you got to go back to that and buy at a discount based on that. Because what we mm. what we need to expect 
is when interest rates do stabilize and when they do rise and rates have been on the rise, somebody asked that question, says, you know, we've talked about rates increasing. They're like, where do you get that information? Just Google interest rate, yeah. you know, housing, I look at it daily. housing market. <laughs> yeah, that's all you got to do is just Google it and you'll see where the interest rates, you'll see what the Fed's talking about doing and their rate is very different than what mortgage rates are based on. Yield curve, you, you know, bond, bond rates and uh, treasury yields are what uh, mortgage rates are based on. So you got to just Google that term and you'll find out and you'll be able to stay ahead of the trends and, and watch it. But, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, and I guess stacking cash just means building your cash. It yeah. just means, you know, building up your cash. It's not anything specific. It just means when I'm, when I'm literally thinking about stacks on stacks, right? right. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I get it. So let's, let's flip the script and tie into a question you and I have got from a follower of our channels. And this is under the guise of cash, right? Does cash equal savings checking money market account? I'm going to say yes. Is cash a mutual fund? Is cash stocks? I mean, where, 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 does, the, where does the line go where it's no longer cash, it's something else? Yeah, and I can't remember what the specific question was. Something about I'll get to that interest in rates. I'll get, I'll get to that next. Okay. But let's, let's end. Where does, where does, obviously cash in a checking or savings is still cash. I'm assuming yes in money markets. But is it is it cash in a stock market or a bond market? You know, um, you know, bonds are going to be longer term because you're buying, you know, you're buying a term on a bond. So that's not liquid cash. No, when I'm talking about cash, I'm talking about liquid. So you know, okay. money market, you know, savings account, checking account, you know, things like that. You want you want liquidity. You want easy, quick access to the money. Um, but bonds are not that, you know, CDs are not that you got to lock it up for a certain period of Perfect. time. So that's not liquid. Got it. So let's go to the exact question we got. We, we have a viewer that said, Hey, I'm in a, I'm in a van. I think it was a Vanguard mutual fund. And really their question was, Hey, okay, I'm in a fund. What is going to be the impact of inflation or deflation on this fund? And I'm like, well, I'm not a st individual stock guy. I'm not sure what's in the Vanguard fund. I'll give you my opinion first, just cause I've had longer to think about it. I'm like, well, if you're talking about inflation, these are companies that are publicly traded. They're going to have input costs, uh, both labor, commodities, all of these things. So in an inflationary environment, their inputs are going to go up. Uh, but again, they're a public company, so they can raise prices. My guess is uh, input costs will rise faster than their prices. So the answer will be they will collapse profit margins. Again, was my guess. But again, a, a mutual fund, an index fund, these are kind of big diversified buckets of things that will probably, that will generally speaking, just follow the market, right? They'll just follow the US economy. They're so big and diverse. They won't see huge spikes or huge declines. Um, I don't own any mutual funds because I want to, I want to be able to, I make individual asset choices. Um, but I don't know. That's, that was the question we got is what's going to happen to my Vanguard mutual fund. And I'm like, I don't know. This is what I think, I guess. <laughs> Well, you just have to look at the history and, and, you know, what has happened and specifically in 2008 and nine. So, mm. you know, mutual funds, index funds took a hit just like the market. Yeah. So they are tied to the market interest rates right now. Uh, you know, the monetary policy, that's what's driving the market. That's the sole thing that's driving the market. Everybody at every level is telling you that, and it's intentional. The government wants to keep liquidity out there. They want to keep it robust. They're not worried about the asset bubble that's being created in markets um, you know, they're not and interesting enough. I heard Janet Yellen in an interview today. Um, it was a behind the scenes kind of a thing deal book up in DC where she was talking about the debt to GDP ratio and where it can go. Mm. 
Mm. And, um, and she, like you and I have talked about on this channel, she said the words, she said, you know, we are servicing the debt of the U S and it's a very small percentage of the GDP. We can service a much bigger debt. So you and I have talked about how big can the debt, can the debt actually not the deficit, how big can the debt actually get the national debt right now? you know, we're, we're running a very small amount when you look at the cost of the money in terms of what we could actually borrow. And, you know, debt to GDP right now, you know, I don't even think, I don't know what level we're at right now. I can't remember what she said, you know, as of today, but, you know, when you think about your own personal borrowing power, when you buy a house, you know, you buy three times your income. So if you think of the GDP mm-hmm. in terms of the debt that we could service as a nation, we literally could run up a debt three times the GDP. No, that's scary. At these rates. Yeah, at these rates, yeah. Oh, that's scary. I, there's no question Janet Yellen wants to spend. She's a labor economist. She's fixated on 3.5% unemployment, which is what we had when we came into this. And she is going to spend, spend, spend. It, it frightens me. Well, it's interesting. We're here in universal base income. So uh, some people call it base, basic. It's, you know, universal base income is basically everybody in the country guaranteed a minimum income. So everybody in the country, you're going to get 50 grand a year from the government minimum. I'm not saying that's the number they're talking about I'm saying this is yeah. how it works. Yeah. No matter what you earn, no matter what you do, everybody gets the same base income so that you don't have to worry about your basic needs, housing, food, clothing, shelter, you know, those types of things, water, gas, all that good stuff. Then you can go out and do whatever you want without having to worry about that pressure of earning. So that is every day you're starting to hear more and more about that coming out of DC. Well, the only thing I know if that ever happened is I want to own a lot of rental properties if that ever happens. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's going to go up. Well, the last question on this topic is a personal one. So I want to kind of set the stage and ask what would Greg do? So let's just say you owned an asset, a house, a apartment, whatever it is, free and clear, pick a value, pick 400 grand, own it free and clear. I don't know. Let's just say it's a one, it's a 1% rule. So it rents for four grand a month, right? 400 grand rents for four grand a month. You have no mortgage payment on it. Uh, and you don't need the money. You already have plenty of cash. What and, and you're going to keep it. So you're not going to sell it, Greg. Mm-hmm. You're not selling, Greg. <laughs> what What would you do in today's environment? Would you go and get a 30-year mortgage at like, you know, a 50% LTV just to get more cash? Or because you had enough, it's like, because cash, I mean, kind of the worst thing to have today, I think, is cash. But you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. What would you do in that kind of situation? I would lever it up as much as I could non-recourse, if I could interest only for as long as I could. And, you know, that's where it's at, you know, Oh yeah. I I don't leave cash tied up in assets like that because, Ah. you know, it's at risk. And, you know um, I know the philosophy out there is that, you know, people don't want to be in cash and, you know, the people that are telling you that are the people that are selling you the instruments to put your cash into. So cash is King. It always has been. It always will be. And at the end of the day, if you need to liquidate, what are you going to, what are you going to liquidate for? Mm. Yeah. Cash. If, you know, if you needed money right now and you had to liquidate, okay. And I came to you with a Bitcoin, you're going to take a Bitcoin. You're going to take cash. Yeah. I mean, you, you have got to survive. You got to go buy food, clothing. You're going bankrupt. Everything you have, you've lost. You need cash. Now you got that house that's paid free and clear. Are you going to trade that for Bitcoin with me right now? Mm. Or are you going to trade it for cash? Yeah. 
or gold or whatever. Or, yeah, or whatever. You, you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, seashells so, or sand or whatever, yeah. The other yeah. thing to remember, and we talked about it last time and we hit on it, you know, is, okay, so everybody, you know, people think free and clear is the way to go just because of the cash flow and all that. That's great. But if you own 100% of something and you have, you know, you own it 100% free and clear, it's at risk. It can be taken away. Hmm. If it's levered up, ain't nobody going to come for it. Got it. Very cool. All right, That's the one little... thing I learned in 2008 and nine. The more you owe the bank, the better the better position of strength you're in. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, this has been a great conversation. Now I understand what you meant by stacking cash. I appreciate you. Thanks.